Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the Sample Chapter Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Jason A. Meiske. We've got a big episode for you today. Not just big in the sense of that I'm excited for it. So this is our first ever Skype interview, and it, it it was a very long interview. We had a lot of audio problems, a lot of things happening in the background. Fortunately, I think we've been able to eliminate most of that. And uh, our guest today was also brilliant in that uh, he was able to send us a recording of his his reading. So you got a really nice, very clean. Uh, listen to his chapter, and oh man, I tell you, when he sent that to me, I was I was just engrossed. I cannot wait for you to hear this. But let's start off. Got a big thank you once again, Podcast Garden. They are our host. The host website for this show, PodcastGarden.com. You can find a ton of other great shows on there. If you are interested in finding more shows, if you're interested in creating your own show. Head on over to podcastgarden.com, and you can start your own show for free. They're fantastic. I, I wouldn't be here without them. Make sure if you have any questions, if you if you have any recommendations, if you are an author who has recently put up your own book, your first book, or if you've put out a hundred books, and you're interested in this show, you're interested in widening your audience, you want to come on the show, please email us. You know, you know somebody you want me to talk to, send me an email. It is samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Or hop over to our Facebook page, the Sample Chapter Podcast at Facebook. You can let us know there. I've got links to the show, links to each person that comes on the show. They're, they're, if they have an Amazon page, if they have a website, if they have a newsletter, all that kind of stuff, I'm going to have links on there. So hop on over and check all this out. Anyway, like I said, I, I want to make sure and keep my intro today short because this is a big episode. Uh, it's our longest one we've had yet. We had a lot of audio problems to begin with. So I'm going to go ahead and just wrap up a few things. Today, my guest is Roger Colby. He and I, you could almost call us old friends. <laughs> Back some years ago, Roger was on his own podcast at that time called Fanboys on Fiction. That's how I found him. I came across him. And they spent a few minutes talking about fiction writing, how to go about it, things you know to improve on, all kinds of great stuff. Then they spent another few minutes talking about something in the fanboy culture, whether that's uh, movies or comics or whatever. And it was a blast. I had a fantastic time listening to the show. That's how I reached out to Roger. And all of a sudden, we started corresponding, and things grew from there. We got to meet each other. Uh, he was in Kansas City two years ago, and I ran up there, and we got to meet. I mean, Roger and I would just talk like old friends. It was, we had a lot of fun. Roger's been a big inspiration for me, and uh, he's uh, he's actually the one who has led me into so many of the things that I've done now with my own storytelling, whether that's advice he's given me, um, inspiration, you know, believing in me to not give up, and, uh, you know, I, I owe a lot to Roger, and so I'm really Really happy to be here today, uh, getting to bring him on the show. Like I said, I got to meet him in Kansas City a couple years ago. He came down here to my hometown. He was passing through. He stopped at my hometown. We had lunch. Got to meet his son. Uh, my wife came along again, and that was that was great. We had a really good time. 
Uh, Roger is, he's got his own website. It's Writing is Hard Work. That's his blog on, uh, on WordPress. He's also on Amazon. He's got a, a wealth of books out there already. I can recommend any number of them. They're all fantastic. They're all really, really great. And most of them have an underlying message behind them. I mean, it's not just sci-fi. It's they're telling you something more. So that's something I, I think is really, really awesome in, in his storytelling. Uh, Roger also has a, uh, he'll tell you a little bit about it, but he has a little article he wrote some years back called 10 Tips for Writing. 10 Tips from Tolkien on writing. Oh, gosh. You know, he's gonna, he'll be able to tell you about this. So, Long story short, though, what happened was this thing, this was an article that he came up with. It was fantastic, and it was so well-liked that somebody plagiarized it and used it as their own, and suddenly it went viral. And Roger was able to finally get, get that knocked out and reclaim it and show that, yeah, he was the one who wrote this, and it was a big to-do. Uh, he does touch on it in the interview. But, uh, anyway, you know, I, I'm wasting time. I, I just want, I'm just so excited, so I'm going to go ahead and just get us on over and Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Roger Colby. All right, welcome everybody. We're here today, another episode of Sample Chapter Podcast. Today I'm with Roger Colby. He is an author out of Oklahoma, currently has seven books. He is also a podcaster. Uh, been on the airwaves, I guess as you'd say, for a few years, and uh, that's how I came to know him, and I'm a big fan of his books ever since. So, uh, welcome, Roger. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Tell us a little bit about yourself to, to start off here. Uh, who are you, and what do you do? Well, by trade, I'm a teacher. I'm an English teacher. I teach advanced placement. I teach uh, English at a little school in Little Axe, Oklahoma. I've been doing that for about 20 years now, but I've been writing since I was about 16, you know, throwing out short stories and mostly, and I spend a lot of my time writing and I, but I have, you know, four kids, they're all teenagers and God help me. (laughs) 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 Keep pretty busy, you know, so churning out books is kind of one of those things I do to unwind, I guess. And, you know, I've been doing this for a while now, so it's, it's, it's been pretty good. I've enjoyed it. That's great. So to give the audience a little bit of background, uh, Roger's a podcaster. That's how I met him, sort of. Uh, I, I became a super fan of his, his show, Fanboys on Fiction, and uh, used to write in, and that's how we how we started to correspond. Like one day, one day I was on there. I was on, you know, I was reading the email, and there's there's Jay, there's uh, Jason. I couldn't pronounce his last name at all. I was like, <laughs> what? what is that? Okay, which he deals with that his whole life, you know, probably. Right. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Uh, And me, you know, up to to Kansas City for the conference. And then I called you up and we met and talked for a while, you and your wife, and uh, had a great conversation. Found out we're pretty pretty much the same kind of guys, you know, we just (laughs) writing and living our lives, you know, trying to do what we can to to survive and also churn out books, you know, so it's it's pretty good meeting you. I really enjoyed uh, the conversation I had with your wife and you, um, and uh, it, was, it was, you know, it was, it's a pretty mutual friendship, I think, and um, I just wish we lived, like, next door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was fantastic. I couldn't believe that uh, like a year before when I'd found this this uh, your show that uh, a year later I'd be meeting you and uh, we've become friends. Uh, so this is this is pretty cool. You know, and now I'm on my own show. Hey. Well, you know, like I said, it was Providence. Uh, you know, you needed you needed somebody to talk to about your work, and I needed somebody to talk to about my work, and we just kind of, you know, that's kind of, that's how it kind of kind of worked. You know, you, 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 I've always said you need to find a, a writer group, even if you don't have one near you. You need to find people that you can talk to about your books, or you'll go crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All right, so let me ask you then. So you you have a lot of background. You, you're uh, in, in media. You're a writer. You're a blogger. You're a podcaster. Which of these have you been doing that you found the most joy in so far? Is there one of them? Oh man, that's 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 a difficult question. Actually, I enjoy all of them. And you know, the blogging I haven't really done very much lately because I kind of run out of material after a while. And I'm thinking about just starting a website, you know, and putting all my old articles. You know, on that, especially the ten tips for for writers from Tolkien, which has had so much traffic, it's actually been plagiarized. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really interesting thing to happen to you is uh, to get plagiarized. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> had to go through a lot of angry emails and eventually got to the bottom of it. But you know, I mean. I think first and foremost, I really enjoy writing when I'm just sitting there working with characters and and creating worlds and and just you know figuring out backstories and banter. You know, I love writing dialogue. I really love writing dialogue. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, just just getting to do things like this and getting to talk to people who've read the book or something, you know, and they're like, "Oh, I read the book and I really enjoyed it," or "I read the book and I really hated it," and here's why. And I'm like, "Okay, what can I learn from this?" But you know that's that's pretty much what what I really enjoy about it. I enjoy all of it, but mostly just writing. And uh, here recently, I've been doing this podcast with uh, with a guy named Richard Coots, who is a fount of pop culture knowledge. That's that's his moniker. He uh, this guy can he's a human IMDb. <laughs> yeah. No, but Richard is a Richard's a really good podcast partner. You know, it, it's been fun. I love having a podcast where I talk to somebody in the room because I think it makes it more you know, real and, and, and interesting. But we just do this podcast where we talk about just whatever we want and then we s- throw writing stuff in there and then, you know, sprinkle that in. Because I talk about movies and stuff we're watching and viewing um, from a writer's perspective and, and then he talks about it from a pop culture perspective and then we spend the last few minutes of the podcast talking about some terrible movie that we saw. <laughs> yeah. We call it the Dollar Rental of the Week. And we just talk about this awful movie because we love bad movies. But, you know, that's fun. But I don't know. I enjoy all of it. Writing the most. Writing the most. Yeah. Great. So you are a science fiction writer. What makes the best kind of science fiction according to Roger Colby? I'm a huge fan of a lot of different um, writers. Philip K. Dick, I really love his, his work. I also love uh, Arthur C. Clarke. You know, I'm a huge Tolkien fan, of course, but, you know, I don't write fantasy. You know, I think there are elements of his work that kind of come out in what I'm doing. But mostly, I think good science fiction, I don't write hard science fiction. There's a difference between hard science fiction, which is all about like real hardcore science and speculative science. And then there's like me, which, you know, I have things happen in my books, but they are, you know, they make sense scientifically, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Star Wars science, you know, it's like, why is that lightsaber just ending right there and not going (laughs) off into the universe? Well, because it's Star Wars. You know, I mean, it's like, 
there's some suspension of disbelief, but I think uh, science fiction needs to have number one any book needs to have just a really good story. You know, if it has a great story, who cares about the MacGuffins, as Hitchcock said, the things that drive the story along that nobody cares about. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a non sequitur. You know I mean? Why, uh, why worry so much about, um, how the ship gets around the universe? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, it's just this thingy that, you know, you turn on and you go there, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, it's fun to, it's fun to explore that, but I'm reading a book right now. It's a book by Michael Faber. It's called the book of strange new things. And in the book, it's about this pastor that goes to another planet to uh, start a church of a bunch of aliens. I know that sounds weird and funny, but it's a great book. And it honestly captures uh, what it is to be a Christian, even though the author is not a Christian. I'm telling you, great book. But in that book, he travels from one place to another universe to this other planet. But it just, as far as I can tell, it's some kind of mass teleportation. I, I'm not really sure. It's yeah, not really important. Yeah. Gothic. Okay. All right, so you've got a series that you're working on right now, um, Understand Your Headaches that you've had. With, uh, <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> the, the Terminark series is called The Five Rims. How did you come up with these names, and, and how did you go about naming them? Oh, man. The Terminark thing, the reason it's called Terminark is the word Terminark means the last of the species, like the very last of a species. This is about the last human being in the universe after there have been lots of space travel, conquering worlds and stuff, the humans did bad things, and now, you know, this poor guy's left as to be the last person in the universe. His entire species has died out. You know, you'd think that the guy who is the last human to represent us would be a great guy and stuff, you know, and all benevolent, but really he's just a jerk. <laughs> He's selfish and <laughs> almost sort of slightly a criminal, even though he's a cop, you know. I mean, so, you know, and he hates his life and uh, he's lost his arm and he has to get this mechanical arm because the genetic stuff that they use, the, the gene splicing that they use to make, like clone an arm or something, doesn't work on him for some reason, which, you know, books later you find out why. Uh, in the final book, you find out why. And uh, he really is like the last human. But throughout the course of these three books, you know, he goes on this adventure where he tries to get to the bottom of why uh, the, the last pocket of humanity was wiped out because they were killed by a bomb. He's the only survivor. And so he's, he's trying to get to the bottom of it. In the course of that, he discovers this huge like conspiracy with these. Well, I, I, if I tell too much, I'll spoil it. Well, let me just say that there's a there's a group out there that's trying to reclaim what they used to have. And they are using the death of all the, all humanity to, to do this. And, you know, he goes on this journey. He meets this alien insectoid creature who is kind of a, he lives on their planet. Uh, the human pocket lives on their planet. But in the course of, of their adventure, they discover that even the people in charge of that planet against against the both of them, and they end up having to, you know, basically fend for themselves and try to figure all this out. And it's not really discovered until the, the very last book as to what is the entire plan. It's kind of like an onion, you know. There's like all these layers, and you dig down and you find out more and more, you know, horrible things that are going on, and all these plans that these Emperor Palpatine types have <laughs> have, have created. It. And you find out that the person you thought was the villain is actually kind of a lackey what was really fascinating for me on this too is that you get the the lone human 
and he's there on an insect planet. There was a couple of races, and what was fascinating for me was that they don't even speak English. They don't, they don't even vocalize English, yeah. and yet I had no problem following along whenever they did speak uh, using English or, or Terran. H- how did you come up with that? How did you go around that? Okay. I took, I took a note from Arthur C. Clarke's book here. Arthur C. Clarke's idea was that if you have an alien species out there, it's probably not going to be like us. It's probably going to be really, really, really alien. The bugs in the book communicate kind of like bees. I studied bees. Is what I did. It was like, how do bees communicate? Bees communicate through pheromones. They let each other know where the, where the, the honey is or where the pollen, where the pollen is. By that and by dancing. They do this little dance and they tell everybody like these body motions. So I was like, well, what if there was a species that communicated through pheromones and through uh, body language? And it's very intricate communication, and it's very precise communication. They can even communicate emotional stuff through the pheromones. So what was crazy with that was, okay, how am I going to communicate with humans? So what I worked up was that when the humans encountered these bugs, the humans were conquerors, for one thing. So they developed a device that the uh, bug will put its arm in, its hands in this thing, and it locks them down. And then uh, it shows a, um, a holographic image of their face because they can produce sound with their, they've got like five sets of mandibles that produce sound. And so they train these things to speak a uh, rudimentary English and to read lips. And if, if they got it wrong, they just, it just attacked their pain center. You know. Oh wow! <laughs> you can just imagine like rows and rows and rows of these things, and uh, there all these bugs are attached to them. And, you know, they're training them how to speak, just the ones that they need to do functions around, and they can communicate to the others as to what the human overlords tell them to do. <laughs> so through time, they managed to learn how to be, how to speak, and to understand a human being. Okay. But over time, it hasn't since there's so few of them. It's like, why even bother now? You know, so there's very few that can actually speak it. Mm-hmm. You know, the queen can and, you know, some of her higher-ups, but basically most of them don't even bother because the humans aren't really a... They're kind of a non-sequitur at the beginning of the book. You know, they, they're, they you know, kind of a, a, a wasted species, so they just kind of tolerate them, you know, yeah. kind of like with rats or something <laughs> like that. Well, so last year you had... Uh... The Headless White Horse, your collection of short stories that came out, uh, which was fantastic. Um, I loved uh, you got your one of your short stories, Rust, was in there. That was fantastic. And uh, people can actually find that online where Roger read that. Uh, what, uh, and I know you're working on, uh, <laughs> I lovingly call T3, Terminar 3, uh, Episode 3 of the Five Rims. Yeah. Are you working on anything else? Or what's coming up next? Uh, yeah, that book's called The Shibboleth Code. Uh, and it should be out in February. And then I've got a book that I have to get done. I've been working on this book for years, dude. Years. Um, it is a story of a Roman soldier who uh, is it's during the time of Christ. And since Jesus was kind of seen as a zealot, like what's the deal with all these people following around? The Roman Pilate sends a group of soldiers to kind of follow the crowd around to make sure that there's not any riffraff, you know. And so this guy follows him around, and, and uh, it's kind of the story of Jesus through the eyes of this Roman soldier. But it's a different kind of tale because it's you know there's there's plenty of things like that that've been done, like the robe, and you know there's been a lot of you know a lot of other books. But this one's more of a 
simple tale about a guy who just is a normal guy who ends up experiencing all this stuff, but he's complete and utter skeptic of all of it. You know, even though he sees all these amazing things, it's not until one really crazy thing happens to him to where, you know, he begins to believe. It's uh, I don't know, it's, it's a work in progress I've been working on for years, I mean, uh, years. And the reason that I'm getting it done is because my mom, you know, my mom went through a health scare here pretty, pretty recently, and I'm like, dude, I have to get this book done before mom goes. So yeah, I've got another thing I'm gonna do after the Roman soldier book. I haven't really nailed it down yet. I know it's gonna involve, it may involve superheroes. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That sounds uh, cool. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's gonna be a weird take. See, before we go into some background of what, what you're gonna read today, tell us where can people find you? Okay, you can find me at uh, writingishardwork.com is my blog. You can find me on Twitter at Roger Colby. I've also got an Amazon page. If you just search in Roger Colby on Amazon, you'll find all my books. I've got a page on there where you can find everything. All my books are on there. My Twitter handle, everything is on that page. Probably the best place for people to look for me is on Amazon. And then you get your weekly podcast. It's weekly, right? The three-cylinder star drive? Three-cylinder star drive. You can find us on iTunes. Gosh, tune in. Like a whole bunch of different podcasts wherever you find podcasts there we are google play yeah i, I actually i just uh tested out my google home the other day and and that was the one i called up and it says <laughs> okay playing most recent three cylinder star drive yep. <laughs> so that was cool yep. well give us a give us a little bit of background of uh, the the story that the chapter you're going to read today okay this novel is called um, come apart and it was kind of my my uh, tribute to one of my favorite things on earth which is the twilight zone I wanted to write my own Twilight Zone. I wanted to, and I wanted to experiment with a novel where I wrote the ending first, and then worked its worked my way up to the ending. This novel, without really giving too much away, it's basically the story of a guy who is an alcoholic. He uh, screws life up. Something happened early on. He uh, either had an accident, ran over somebody, or something like that, and he served some time. And now he's just trying to piece his life back together. There's also a young man in town who plays baseball. He's a high school student, and he has a girlfriend. Um, her name is Callie. Her dad's the sheriff of the town, and the sheriff is really creepy and scary. He's almost like the sheriff that pulls over Janet Lee and Psycho. It's pretty much like that. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, this this whole story is one of those things where it's kind of like the kind of like Lost, where you're peeling away little onion layers a little bit at a time, and it's like, oh, where are we? Where really? Where are we really? You know, and so nothing is as it seems in this book. However. The chapter I'm going to read is a chapter where Callie comes home to her creepy dad, the sheriff, and he's sitting on the recliner or whatever when she comes home, and then they have this conversation while a Twilight Zone episode is playing in the background that has a has a significance to the story. So I'll just read it, and uh, it's kind of short, okay. but I think it I think it kind of encapsulates some of the mysteriousness that's going on in the book. I think that's. The one book I have not read of yours so far. <laughs> um, it, it came from a nightmare. What if I was somewhere where I wasn't? Thought it was somewhere. It's like I, I was in a town. I think it's a local town, Noble. It's actually where the book is set, <laughs> Noble, Oklahoma. And I just remember I was on a bicycle or something, and I rode outside of town. And when I got outside of town, instead of what normally you would see, which is a stretch of highway, it was just an endless desert. And this, the road went right down into the desert, and, you know, a little distance out, there was a, a stoplight just sticking up out of the sand. Oh, wow. 
you know, it's like almost like the town had been uprooted and put somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I thought, man, that's a weird, that's a weird thought. And so I started running with it. It's also a book about second chances and about the things that we've maybe done in our lives that we're not proud of. And, and would you go back and change it? If you could go back and change it, would you? I want to say it's a time travel novel, mm-hmm. which you think that's what it is. Well, that's fantastic. You know, man, I just, I really appreciate you coming on today. I, I appreciate you taking some time and, and reading to us. To, and we've had some technical problems today. Hopefully we can get some of this pulled out of it. And, uh, you know, the, through the magic of technology, hopefully this comes out nice and clean and nobody knows all the better. So, but uh, it, uh, would you, would you come back again later on? We'll have another time. We'll do another book and another chapter. Sure. Anytime, man. Anytime. Oh, fantastic. Chapter 27. Circuit. Callie parked her Mustang in the driveway beside her father's white truck, pulled the parking brake, and hopped out, her backpack slung over her shoulder by one strap, her red hair in a ponytail that bounced as she walked. The front door of her home was not locked, and she waved to her father as she strolled across the living room floor toward her room. Hey, Dad, she said from her room. Anything new today? Not really, said Sheriff Norris his voice a deep monotone. Just regular business. How is Danny today? That was a nasty spill he took on the baseball field the other day. She appeared around the corner, strode to an empty recliner beside the couch and fell into it. Ah, he's doing okay, I guess. Just a little weird is all. Sheriff Norris sat on the end farthest away from the girl, his back straight, his hat on a coffee table next to him a glass of water in his thick hand, his mirrored shades hung in one pocket by an earpiece. Weird, huh? said the sheriff. I suppose you spoke to him at length about his blackouts. Oh, yeah, he's been having more of them, and he also says he's seeing some weird things. Hmm. There was a pause as she grabbed a remote control from the coffee table to her right and pressed a button, turning on the large flat-screen television that sat in front of them on a small table. A black-and-white image flickered to life. A theme song, a monotonous chime of guitar strings, repetitive and yet somehow soothing, overdubbed by the gravelly voice of a man who was narrating. Soon the images of a small suburban neighborhood appeared, and the gravelly voice began to explain about the nice people who lived on Maple Street and that things were about to get very strange for them indeed. Monsters were set to arrive. Sheriff Norris took a long, slurping drink from his glass of water. Did Danny say anything to you about Mr. DeFord? He asked. Callie sat for a moment, staring at the television and the people who were becoming increasingly paranoid of one another, and she nodded her head in disagreement, pursing her lips ever so gently. Are you absolutely certain? He said again, and she felt his breath on her cheek because he was suddenly that close to her, his stubble very visible. Her fingers gripped the brown leather arms of the recliner. She turned, startled. Yeah, she said, her voice shaking. He didn't say anything about Mr. DeFord. Just about some massive headaches he's having and that he gets nosebleeds, that's all. He returned to the couch, his heavy body sinking into the groaning leather, his teeth clinking in the glass as he took another long drink of water, draining it down until the bottom was very dry. His lips slurped a bit as he placed the glass carefully on the table to his left. The people on the television were becoming increasingly suspicious of one another 
as the power was on in one person's house when it was out in every other house on the rest of the block. The young boy who looked like plastic to Callie told all of the other people on Maple Street that the aliens look just like us. Callie's father stood to his feet, collected his hat, donned his shades, and stood just between her and the large television, his massive frame blotting out most of the middle of the image, and she began to lean around him and smile. (laughs) Daddy, she laughed cautiously, I can't really see what's going on. Can you? Really, Daddy, you're freaking me out. What's got into you? As if her last words were some kind of cue, he reached down, his arms a blur, and grabbed her by the shoulders, lifting her out of the chair and holding her in front of him like some type of doll, her legs dangling below her. She tried to scream, but his voice, deep and resonant, cut her off. Four, two, six, six, three, two, seven, seven, nine, four. Her face, a picture of sheer horror, suddenly went blank, her skin falling limp, her lips drawn down in a dead frown, her eyes two dull marbles. What did Danny tell you? He droned. He told me that he saw Mr. DeFord, she mouthed, monotone. He has no memory of what happened to DeFord 1-1. It is clean. He also recalls one Grant Arterberry. He has not forgotten him. He has also shown the pattern of failure in our relationship. The course of events, as before, seem inevitable. The people on Maple Street were seeing a faceless man approaching out of the darkness, and he had a hammer attached to his hip that swung back and forth as he walked. We need you to let things play out with Danny, said the sheriff, his large head tilting to the side, his dark eyes narrowing. Let him do what he must do. There is still hope that the project will succeed, but there are many variables. Yes, she said mouth moving like a ventriloquist doll. I will obey. Sheriff Norris then set his daughter down on the floor of their living room, where she stood as if she were a planted fence post. He put his arms around her, embracing her lovingly, tenderly, and she yawned, suddenly returning to life. Dad? she asked, blinking her lovely green eyes. Did I fall asleep? Man, am I tired. Oh, yes, dear, he said. Nearly fell out of that chair. Good thing I was here to catch you, huh, Pumpkin? Yeah, she giggled. I guess. What I miss on the show, it looks kind of interesting. He stood to the side, and they both stared at the screen for a moment, watching as the people of Maple Street picked up rocks or sticks or anything else they could use to kill one another. The two of them watched for some time, their faces blank, as the suburbanites attacked each other willfully, screaming and shouting in black and white horror. I don't know if you miss much, really, he said. Just some silly show. Why don't you go off to bed? Big day tomorrow. Lots to do. Yeah, she said, stretching her arms above her head. Guess so. He watched as she went down the hall to her room, and then he fit his cowboy hat on his large head, turned on his heel, and strode out the door. The television shut itself off. Wow. I mean... Wow. Like I said before, that was one of Roger's only books that I don't think I've read this, or I have not read that one yet. So I got to go out and get this. That's an exciting chapter. Uh, Hey, don't forget to go check Roger out on Amazon. You can see all the rest of his books. Look him up on writingishardwork.com. Wherever you're listening to this show, please give us a big star. Give us some likes 
on there. So that the show will help grow. And if you have any questions, be sure to contact us either at facebook.com, sample chapter podcast, or sample chapter podcast at Gmail. And we will be in touch again real soon. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Bye.